0: you've heard of the story of the man who woke up one Sunday morning, mad at the world, feeling a little grumpy, and he tells his wife, I'm not going to church today. His wife says, what's wrong with you? You are going to church. The man says, no, I'm not going to church. People are mean. They're always asking for money, and nobody likes me anyway. You give me three good reasons why I got to go to that church. The wife said, Well, one, it's God's day. Two, we worship on God's day. And three, you're the pastor. You're going to church. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want to show you something. Um, can Can I show you? Is it there? Is there a slide you could advance to? I wonder. Yeah, you ever seen that picture before? Now, in one sense, I want you to notice that's a squash, and I don't know what kind it is, but it's a really big squash. The reason why I want to show you that picture this morning because I came across this story. Uh, This is from Canada, where I think it was last year, students at a Canadian school discovered some seeds that were over 800 years old. They found these seeds locked away in a box that had been hidden presumably to preserve them and to help take care of them. But what had happened was, over all these years, is that the squash had become extinct. We hadn't seen any like it before. And so what the students did with the researchers is they took the seeds that they found and they actually planted them, and after 800 years, look at that. How much you think HEB is going to charge you for that bad boy right there? Huh? Let me show you something else, if I could. Could you show them the next one? Now, that looks like, to most of us, any old plant, but similar story where some people found some seeds that had been trapped in the ground and and locked away, but not for 800 years, not for 900 years, not even for 1,000 years. You were looking at a plant that was from seeds over 32,000 years old. 32,000-year-old seeds that had been tucked away under ice and bones and all these things, they weren't able to grow. But after 32,000 years, someone planted them and got that. Now, I don't know if you remember one time Jesus told us to consider the lilies of the field. And as a matter of fact, if you pay attention in Scripture, Jesus in particular, but God is certainly showing us through nature, through the world that we see around us, important lessons. And I think there's an important lesson here this morning. You see, what had happened was, in the first case, someone had decided we need to protect these seeds, we need to take care of them so that when we're ready, we can make use of them. And so they put them in a box and they preserved them, they them, They hid them away until they needed them next time. And the seeds for the flower, they had just been, they had fallen under uh, feet of ice and debris and all these other things over so many generations. And what had happened was the seeds were not able to do what seeds were created to do. And I want to suggest to you this morning that as the people of God, so many of us. Suffer from the same condition. As the people of God, first and foremost, we are told repeatedly that we were created to worship our Creator that we were put on this earth to see the glory of God, to see the mighty hand of God at work all around us. And when we see God at work, we worship. And because we know God is working, we worship. And because we know that we've been created by a mighty hand, we worship that Creator. That is our true purpose in life, sisters and brothers. And I think Jesus at least in this one instance, reminds us of that. Let me, let me set the picture for you. Jesus had sent out many of his disciples to go and to, to do the things that he had prepared them to do. And, you know, when Jesus tells you to do something, sisters and brothers, you should do it. And the disciples did I don't know how they felt when they first got the call and were first told to go out and to, and to preach the gospel and to heal and to do all these things. I don't know how they first thought. But as they went out, something strange happened. It began to work, they began to bear fruit. And so they come back sometime later, all 70 of them, they're all there. And Luke tells us that they're all rejoicing because now they have seen people respond to the gospel. They have seen people be healed. They have seen people rise. They have seen miraculous things because they have sent out to do the things of God. That's right. And as they come and to report to Jesus, I, I, I can only imagine smiles on their faces. I can only imagine, Jesus, I can't believe this. You're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what I was able to do. You're not going to believe the people that were listening to me. You're not going to believe all the things that we saw. And Jesus was like, yeah, I am going to believe it. I'm the one that told you to go do it. And as they're coming and they're rejoicing, Luke tells us, oh, I love this, that Jesus rejoiced In the Spirit. I don't quite know what that means. I don't quite have a mental picture that I'll say that's exactly what Jesus did when he rejoiced in the Spirit. But I have some inclinations. I happen to think that if those disciples were excited about what they did, that Jesus was too. I happen to think because of what he says... That he is more than ecstatic. I happen to think that he is not sitting down being quiet. That he is rejoicing in the Spirit. He's got a grin on his face from ear to ear. His voice is high. He's dancing. He's singing. He is glorifying God. Because he is rejoicing in the Spirit. Any of you rejoicing in the Spirit right now? Elvis (laughs) mouth. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't quite know what it looks like, but I get the impression that Jesus is worshiping like maybe those disciples have never seen someone worship before. And it's all because Luke tells us that he is seeing the work of God right before his face. That he is seeing God being faithful to the promise that was given to him. That he is seeing the kingdom of God being built right before him. And that as he pays attention to what God is doing, he cannot help but to worship God. Right then, right then, right then. You know what's crazy? I mean, I don't know this for a fact, I wasn't there. But I bet it wasn't even a Sunday. I bet Jesus wasn't even all dressed up all nice and pretty. I bet he wasn't even sitting down in a pew. I bet he didn't even have a bulletin. But I bet right there in the company of all those disciples, he worshipped the living God. And I want to suggest to you, sisters and brothers, that as people who follow Jesus' example, people who put their trust in the life of Jesus, if we see Jesus worshiping in that kind of manner, guess what kind of manner we should learn to worship in just the same? You don't want to say it, do you? don't want to say it, because maybe that means I got yellow uncomfortable. Maybe it means I got to stretch myself a little bit. I don't quite know what it means. I'm not telling you exactly what it's supposed to look like. But I am saying that Luke says Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. He worshiped and you and I were created to do the same thing. Because God hasn't stopped working. God's power is just as mighty today as it ever was. God's presence is all around us just as as much as it ever was. And we are the people of God just as much as we've ever been. And if God is still doing what God does, then we should still be doing what people of God do. Are y'all with me? That means we rejoice in the Spirit. That means we worship. Now i got to tell you, sisters and brothers, I'm concerned about the church been a part of several churches, visited many churches, spoken to so maybe too many church people, but I got to wonder if maybe there aren't enough church people who rejoice in the spirit. I got to wonder if there's too many church people who are just happy with going to church. Who have a misconception that if I'm in the right place, then that automatically means I'm doing the right thing. Well, I want to suggest to you that sometimes even being in the ground is not enough. Those seeds that we talked about at the beginning were in the ground where seeds are supposed to be. But those seeds had other things in the way blocking them from what their purpose was. And I'm convinced that many of us as the body of Christ suffer from the same thing. We have the weight of the world on us. We have the weight of our troubles. We have the weight of our schedules, our busy lives. We have the weight of so many things crushing us. And even though we're in the right place, we can't seem to find that ability to truly rejoice in the Spirit because something is holding on to us. But I'm so thankful for this day that we have recorded when Jesus worshipped in the Spirit. Because Jesus knew what the rest of His life would look like. He knew what He would have to endure. He knew what He would have to put up with. He knew what other people were going to do to Him. But He was free to be able to take all of that off and rejoice in the Holy Spirit. He was able to worship. And I hope that you and I are able to do the same. Now, let me be clear. We're in the middle of a sermon series entitled Committed to Christ. And so far, we've talked about the Christian's need and responsibility to pray. And I've asked you to make commitments to prayer. We've talked about the Christian's need and responsibility to read Scripture. And I've asked you to make commitments to read Scripture. And today, in one sense, we're talking about being here At church. I'm asking you to make a commitment. About making it a priority. That you are here. The body of Christ needs to see the rest of the body. We can't grow as a church. If those people who call the church home. Are not home. In one sense. I'm asking you to make this time. And this place a priority in your life. But in another sense. I'm asking you to understand that worship is so much more than going to church. It's about seeing the power of God all around you and rejoicing in the Spirit. Whether that's a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night, whether that's a worship service or even a church committee meeting, (laughs) because God can do all things whether it's at church or at home or at the office or on the road, that when you see the power of God around you, you know that you cannot help but to rejoice because you know that God is good. First and foremost, that's what I'm asking you to consider most important. So what I'd like you to do now is to consider those 800-year-old seeds, those 32,000-year-old seeds. And I want you to consider what was keeping them from growing the way God had intended them to grow. And then, thank you, brother. And then I want you to consider what's keeping you and I from doing the same thing. There in your bulletin, you should have a card. It's just like this one here. It's week three worship. I'm going to ask if you would give your attention to it, if you'd pull it out and look at it quickly. The question is, are you ready to grow in your worship life? Again, just coming to church isn't all worship is, but we believe God does great things in our worship together. And so I want to read to you the the responses, and you see if any of this applies to you. And what I want you to do is just take an honest look at where you are with worship. Where you are with being a part of the church's worship. And don't think about where you want to be or where you think you should be. Just where are you? And then I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing to take one step up. One step. One step up. The first response is, today I am not ready to make a commitment to worship regularly. And we honor that. And I respect that. That you would understand that we're asking you to make a grave commitment. And if you're not ready to do that, I appreciate your honesty. The next step says, I will attend worship three to six times a year. You need to understand that for someone, that may be a big commitment. And I'm okay with that. Even God might be okay with that. The next step is, I will at least attend worship once a month. The next step is, I will attend worship twice a month. Or, I will attend worship three times a month. Another step up is, as my health permits, I will never miss worship. And then notice even this last step. Worship will be a priority in my life, growing to include the following. I will be passionate about worship as a true priority of my life. Dreary weather, sports, holidays, or even vacations will not keep me from attending worship. I will prepare the day before so that I can arrive at worship without last-minute rushing. I will warmly greet those who sit around me and ensure that all guests are welcome with Christian love. I will surround my friends and family with worship and continually invite others to worship God with me. Through worship, I will seek to find strength, power, and direction To face the weak as I encounter God in word and sacrament. Wherever you are, would you be willing to make one step up? Indicate your step. Make sure you put your name there. I'm going to pray for us uh, before we actually uh, give these to God. After I pray, we're going to sing our hymn of of a response. As we sing that, I'm going to invite you to come forward and to leave your commitments here at the altar. Um, but as the people of God, shall we pray for God's will and direction for our lives. Almighty God, knowing that you have blessed us with so much, knowing, Lord, that you have worked in the life of your people in so many awesome and powerful ways, today we give you thanks for our worship and our ability to sing praises to you and to offer our lives to you again. We ask, Lord, that the commitments that we have here be a symbol of our trust and in our hope in what you are doing, not just in our hearts, but in your church here at Kelsey and in your world. Bless us now, God, with your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. Sisters and brothers, as you feel led with your card completed, with your commitment and your name, would you come forward, please?